0: Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Also, if you want the Ole Miss home team broadcast, tune into Sirius SiriusXM channel 190 or on the SXM app. Just search Ole Miss Rebels. Hi, I'm Stephen Willis, along with Bill Flowers, and we're going to talk about what happened last week. We're going to talk about what's coming next week. And we might even talk about Ole Miss going to Arkansas State. How are we doing, Bill?
1: I'm doing well, Stephen. How are you, man?
0: I, man, I am fired up. After seeing Ole Miss put up a 70-burger, I'm in a pretty good mood.
1: Hold on. Tamper the expectations. <laughs> it's Mercer.
0: Listen to this. I, you, you've said that a couple of times, and I will say this to you. Lots of teams have played Mercer in the past or teams like Mercer. Only three teams have scored more points in an opener.
1: Yeah, I, hey, listen, I, I mm-hmm. agree. We also won five in a row, uh, last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. so, you know, I, I, I get it.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty fired up, but the game gets a little bit, the it, competition gets elevated this week. I think it was just named that, um, Corey Platt, Tulane's best defender. Will not be playing in that game. He had 15 tackles, 10 solo, had a fumble recovery and a sack in week one against USA. He is not going to play against Ole Miss. Sounds so like that's,
1: he's just tired. That sounds like that's what his problem is.
0: Yeah, that that was a honestly. I read that. I was like, that's a Patrick Willis stat line.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a Travis Hunter kind of kind of stats.
0: Yeah. Absolutely nuts. Anyway, before we get into last week and this week, Ole Miss is traveling down to New Orleans to play the Tulane Green Wave. We, you famously traveled to Jonesboro, Arkansas for Arkansas State. Talk about that road trip going down to the G5.
1: Well, that was definitely a, a cultural shock uh, to our team. It was uh, like playing in a high school stadium. You you go from playing SEC stadiums to literally a a high school locker room. Uh, The stadium was 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 already you know like a like a glorified high school, and then they were doing uh, renovations to it, and the the field you know it was it was sort of like a junkyard dog. You know, don't complain, just play. Uh, You know, don't don't roll an ankle, uh, don't complain about it, just play. Uh, it was definitely, so this, so the stadium was under construction. You had, yeah, it was definitely uh, a memory where you're like, wow, uh, there, there's some, there's some stadiums that I'll, I will remember. And that was, that was one of them.
0: Yeah, that was interesting. I think I remember listening to that game. Let's see. When was that in 2001, maybe 2002
1: Uh, is 2000. I think it was 2001. Yeah, it was 2001 my true freshman my redshirt freshman year
0: okay um because i would have been in the military at that point in the navy stationed in philadelphia pennsylvania so i would have stayed up listening to that on broadcast.com because that was the only way i could hear what was going on um from philadelphia pennsylvania that that, that's how i spent that game you were trying not to roll an ankle i was hoping my 56k modem would not go out
1: yeah you didn't miss anything
0: yeah, it's pretty fantastic. Uh, I, I love the fact that we went to Jonesboro. That, that is going to be one of the things that Pete Boone is remembered by, by Ole Miss fans moving forward as the road trip to Jonesboro, I think. It, it, I think he's the one that signed that contract, so interesting. Uh, the Mercer game, what are your takeaways from the Mercer game? What stands out? Um, what did you like? What did you not like?
1: So the Mercer game – what I liked was they, they executed the play calls. That's what they did. They, they executed it. Uh, you, you're defensively. Um, I'm, I'm concerned. Um, I know the stats show that they only had seven points. I know uh, I read where Kiffin uh, told uh, um, our D coordinator that, uh, Hey, that first play, we paid you a lot of money but that's not what we were expecting out of you uh which you know gave him a hard time but you know i i wasn't i thought our defense was on the field you know too much but it's hard to predict if you're playing mercer um it's just it really is it's hard i think that they played they did everything they were supposed to offensively um i've you know i don't think anybody would would. Uh, I'd be surprised about me saying that i'm not a fan of our offensive play calls uh and you know jackson dart i think it was a little last year was a little bit of i think some of the issues they had last year uh had someone do a play calling um and i don't think that our play calling looked any different than last year so much but he executed it he did exactly what he was asked to do Offensively, we clicked on all cylinders. Trey Harris looks like a dog. He, I mean, that guy, he, you know, shoot. I think he had four touchdowns. His first three catches were touchdowns. Um, uh, I felt like Wilkins showed, you know, showed that he's going to be a, a, a great, you know, combination with, with Harris. Uh, Williams, as a true freshman, came in, showed that, you know, He'll be able to to, to play, um, uh, you know, so I felt like we – defensively, I, I am concerned. I just didn't feel like we were able to, you know, give them enough, you know, get in, get out, and just control it the way that I wanted to, like, like they did offensively.
0: Yeah, you, you know, offensively, I, I, I have a question that I've been wanting to ask you for about a week. Now, is your problem with the play calling and the offense – Is it because the passing game isn't a progression-based passing game that you understand, like the RPO and the the real real quick nature? I'm trying to figure out where the disconnect is there.
1: Yeah. So, if you look at if you look at Auburn, you had 21 straight passing games, passing plays last year. 21. Sorry, 21 run run plays. 21. I think we were up 21 nothing. When you can do that to a team and you just bloody them in, in the torso, you're you've got to be able to make things happen. Well, we couldn't. And all the the passing game is everything's outside. Everything is a long, uh, arduous. Let the play let the play unfold. It's not get the ball out of your hand quickly. Utilize the middle of the field. If you watched Colorado. Uh, TCU game, you're going to see a team that takes what the defense gives you. You're going to see where where a, uh, a a safety in a corner they're they're playing they're playing their 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 coverage, and the quarterback understands exactly where the ball needs to go. They're they're putting them in position. They're calling the plays that that the quarterback should hit a quick snap. Um, uh, take what the defense gives you when they come up. You you make them pay. I don't feel like we utilize the middle of the field. I don't feel like we've utilized tight ends. Uh, if, you, if you're relying on, on Jackson Dart to beat you on the outside, absolutely. Well, you take away the outside. You, you get in a, a – uh, uh, I mean, you're talking about really high uh, percentage completion passes. Those are difficult plays. When you have a defensive end crashing in on you, and you take a th- – by the time you hit your fifth step – You're having to step up in the pocket and about getting hit in the mouth, that's too long. It's you gotta get the ball out of your hand quickly, utilize the middle of the field, keep keep everybody inside, and they don't do that. And that that's my that's my big pet peeve. I want them to use the tight ends. If you're not gonna use the tight ends, use your slot receivers to keep the to keep the safeties in the middle of the field. Go get behind the linebackers, utilize that. Don't just play this. This, hey, look how fun our offense can be. We're going to throw 60 yard bombs. It's just not,
0: yeah. I, I think that, um, Lane Kiffin and Charlie Weiss they have a tendency to get cute. Um, yeah. and they do a lot of second and third level RPOs. Now, if you're trying now, to put RP- this, yeah. I will say
1: this to Kiffin's defense, Kiffin has said that he has been like. I can tell you there are coaches out there that are amazing coordinators. When they become head coaches, they get distracted and they can't, like what got you there was a coordinator position. So the question is, is when you bring a coordinator in and you hire a coordinator to be a coordinator, that's what Kiffin said he did not want to do is hire a coordinator in and then and then cut him off of the knees and not let him do the job that he was paid to do. So Kiffin – that I mean, I, I I would love to I would love to know how much of the play calling is he doing, or is he pretty much saying, "Listen, I'm letting you do your job. I've been there. I don't want to be handicapped. I don't want to be you. You let me to do my thing." So that's the question you've got. It's not so much a Kiffin thing, in my opinion. It's it's maybe more more wise. Maybe I'm wrong.
0: Well, I, I I think the first game, honestly, and and this offense, and I will call it Kiffin's offense, but it's you know it could be Charlie Weiss calling it as well. It's it's the same essential offense. Yeah. But with Caden Priestcorn being out and Michael Trigg being suspended or whatever he was in the first half, and you had Kyron Heath, who was a first-time tight end, I can see yeah how they were wanting to be safe with him. Yeah. Um, Jordan Watkins had over a hundred yards receiving out of the slot, so. Yeah. It, he, I think whenever the full complement of this team comes into yeah. focus, it, it'll look more like we expect it to look. And that's what, and, and that's what I'm
1: hoping. I, 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 I'm hoping that they utilize the weapons in the middle of the field. Uh, you know, you asked me what, what did I see, mm-hmm. and it resembled everything of last year. Um, the one play that uh, the first, I think, might have been Spencer's first throw which doesn't surprise me. He utilizes his tight end up the middle of the field, Triggs. Uh, I think he scored or it was a, it was a, it was a great pass. So, um, but I I do hope that this offense is able to, and like manage the game. So here's another thing, Steven, you can't have an air raid in the sec cannot happen, will not happen. You will not win the games you're not supposed to win 100 you have to be able to control the ball if you're if you if we're saying hey we'll put up 50 points a game but we're going to leave our defense on the field because we because we can't dink and dunk you've got one you have probably the best running back in college football you've got to be able to ground and pound when you need to and then be able to dink and dunk and control it to keep your defense off the field, and then when you need to score, you score. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. And I think hopefully this year we're gonna see we're gonna see that control in our offense that we couldn't that that hasn't been there.
0: Yeah, and in this offense um, generally Kiffin and I'm just like I said it could be Kiffin it could be Weiss it's the same offense. Uh, it they usually pick one player two players that are kind of the primaries and they feed them. They feed their talent. And and is it also possible that the talent that they have picked out this year for what they're going to do and trying to get people the ball is going to be a combination of Quinshawn and Trey Harris?
1: Yeah, I mean, for sure, but at the end of the day, you're you're, you're going – I mean, you you can't say you're going to take your outside receiver and you're you're running – I mean, if they're going to pound the ball – and then try to open it up with their outside receiver. What opens up your outside receiver is the bill be- ability to keep the safeties over the top. And what, and how you do that is by utilizing a pre corn trigs in the middle of the field, doing, doing play action. Uh, and as you do play action, being able to make those quick reads and hit the middle of the field. If you're able to do that, Harris is going to have a, a, a monster year, monster. But if they can't do that, then the safeties are going are just going to be like, well, they don't type the middle of the field. All they do is throw in the outside. And most of the times they're going to try to do a, a five-step drop. They're not going to do anything short. So you're not going to have – it's just that's what happened last year. That's why you won five straight games and then lost to every team that you were supposed to lose to because you had an offense that could not take – or would not – take what the defense gave them.
0: Yeah, and and I think that with pre-scoring being out and Trig being um so Jackson Dart didn't have the benefit of either one of those players. Yeah. Um and and Jordan Watkins he actually did pretty well. Inside the numbers, yeah. Jackson Dart in the this game was 7 of 8 and three touchdowns inside yep. the numbers. And so but in this game, it was Trey Harris that they were deciding to yeah. go to the middle of the field and hit those areas. And again, this is
1: I can't take anything from the Mercer. I just can't. Next week, you're going to be able to see it. When you see it, when you see a team that gets in your face, that's going to make you make quick reads at the line. This is that's where you're going to see where the real growth has happened. Um, I said it before the game that this is a scrimmage. You're not going to get a lot out of it. You're not going to know who your starting quarterback is until after probably. You know, um, well, Mike Kiffin named
0: this, the quarterback. Yes,
1: yeah, he did. But mm. even Saban has said it that this yeah. is an ongoing competition. I can tell you right now, Kiffin's not going to lay say, Dart's are start. Dart is our starting quarterback. Period. He's not. He's he's just going to let him do his thing, and it's his to lose. And he wants to see Dart succeed. I think everybody wants to see Dart mm. succeed. Uh, but if you get into a situation where you're not you're not doing pre snap reads, you're not getting the ball out, which again, some a lot of that has to do with your coach. You know, your coach has to put you in place to win. So, are they getting? Will they put him in a, in a position to win? I don't think they did that last year. Maybe they did, and he just didn't and he just didn't hit it. But I feel like this against Tulane, you're going they're going to have to uh, reveal who they are offensively. And you're going to get to see how much Jackson Dart has grown. Um, And so I'm excited to see that.
0: Yeah, it should be really interesting. And we move on to the green wave. You you talked about all of that. You just mentioned my podcast from this morning to where we get to see the next evolution of Jackson Dart as a quarterback, processing information more quickly, getting the ball out. Maybe the play calls have something to do with that as well, because, you want a situation to where you can get the ball out and use them like Matt Corral used Elijah Moore or Kenny Yeboah. We know that that is in the system. We need talent. that We need to be able to see that because once Alabama happens, we are three weeks away. Yeah. It's real then. There, there's yeah. no do-overs in that game.
1: And that's why I'm glad that we're playing Tulane early. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel – and I'm glad we're not playing Alabama on a bye – What's killed us in the past is that you play these three or four games, all this Miss, Miss fan base gets excited. They've played a, uh, um, you know, a speed that's not really realistic. It's, you know, it is what it is. And then all of a sudden you have an off week uh, and you're just kind of, you know, going through the motions. And then all of a sudden you get hit with, with hypersonic SEC, you know, Alabama speed. And it takes you a half or three fourths of a game to get acclimated, and so I'm glad we're playing we're, we're playing Tulane now. Uh, I think it's going to force our offense to show who they are, um, and I think it's good. I think it's I think you, you they need that. They need to 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 sh- to put themselves in a situation to have to you know battle. Uh, early because it's not fair. Alabama's having to play Texas. They're having to put on their big boy pants uh, this weekend, um, and so you know we don't know how good Tulane is, uh, but um, you know they're they're not a team that you can look over.
0: That's that's for sure. Yeah, honestly, I would have liked in the schedule if Tulane was the opener and then you play Mercer. Yeah,
1: because... I, I, I'm, I, I that wouldn't be bad, but I also think it's probably not a, a bad thing to get. One more exhibition game under your belt, then play Tulane. Hey, I'd rather play Tulane than Texas um, uh, for your second game. So I think it's a good. I think it's a good evolution. I think it's a good, a good step.
0: Okay, before we get out of here, let's let's talk about Week One like impressions, like LSU. All of a sudden the ESPN FBI went from LSU being a 60% probability favorite in that game to Ole Miss being a 60% probability favorite in that game. LSU did not look good. Uh I I can tell you like this was
1: a this was a concern when the first thing that ESPN, you know, they, they mic they mic'd up uh Kelly and the mm-hmm. first thing that they show is him talking with his offensive coordinator Telling them that looks like the crowd's gonna be overwhelmingly uh FSU. And the offensive coordinator is like, I, I really don't care. Well, when your head coach is first thing he's concerned is is hey, this is this crowd's gonna look like it's all FSU. He even mentioned it coming out of the second half, coming into the second half, that we gotta control the crowd. LSU almost to me, they they gave up. Like it didn't look like they were competing. It didn't look like a Chip Kelly, I mean, a uh, Coach Kelly team. That that you're, I mean, this guy, this guy is, eats nails. You know, he's everything he's done has been, you know, blue collar. You know, bring your bring your hard hat, uh, lunch pail to work, um, and it just didn't it didn't seem. I was surprised, I was shocked to see LSU kind of lay down like that.
0: You know what it looked like? It looked like Ole Miss versus LSU last year in reverse.
1: Yeah, I I I would agree. Uh, Um, Yeah, I totally agree on that. Um, So,
0: Yeah, and you talk about the um, Alabama was probably the big winner of the weekend because LSU dropping down, that means that they become the prohibited favorite for the SEC Western Division, but they have Texas. That's a game they could lose. If they drop that, I'm telling you, there's probably three or four teams in the SEC West right now that has a legitimate chance to win this division? Well, I, you know,
1: I think preseason, and I think as deep as the SEC West is, there's no way to hide. There's mm. no way to kind of get lucky, so to speak. You, I mean, the you have to earn it. And, you know, I think LSU losing to FSU, okay, um, that sucks for them out of conference. But, you know, LSU is going to come back and they're, you know, they got talent. If Texas lose, if Alabama loses to Texas. Okay. That's, that's out of conference. You're still going to have to play. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, there's not a, there's not a team in the sec West that is weak and they are going to week in week out, have to, you know, you know, go through the gauntlet. So, Um, I think losing a a, a game early as non-conference is much better than losing a a non-conference game later in the season for your, you know, your, your uh, playoff hopes. Um, So if I had to choose, I would much rather lose early than, than late. And it also kind of gives you a big wake up call. So um, this will be Alabama. I mean, Alabama last year got, was fortunate to have, uh, um, how how do you say his last name? Irwin. Uh, get hurt because if he hadn't, Alabama would have lost that game. Um, oh, yours, 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 yours. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he would have lost, they, they would have lost that game because that kid was mm-hmm. playing lights out. He didn't – my understanding is that he didn't play hot uh, this week um, or last week. Yeah. And uh, Mentally, so, they were
0: already playing Alabama when they yeah, had Rice on yeah. the schedule.
1: Yeah, and, and, and that's what happens. That's mm-hmm. that's what happens. And so, you know, you said, like, what, what are some of the takeaways that you, you had against Mercer? They they executed what was what was asked of them, mm-hmm. and so Texas didn't do that, um, and so uh, that's very easy to 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 allow a team to slip up and not play that well, and uh, so. Um, but Alabama still will be looking for a quarterback. I mean, they're just because this kid won the game, like, like I'm telling you, Saban has made it clear that yeah, well, this kid's the starter this week, but you know if he if he can't execute the play calls that need to be done and puts them in a position to not win the game, he will yank them and he will snatch them. And uh, that's why when you're in a, quarter comp- a quarterback competition and you want to have a quarterback that is not really looking over the shoulder to see if he's going to get snatched, that's why you want That's why you want to do this stuff early. And so I think this is a uh, um, Alabama and Ole Miss will probably have a couple more games to figure out who their starting quarterback
0: is. All right, I th- I'm not. I might not, not sure, but I think your brother went to Tennessee. You went to Ole Miss. How much would you like to see that game this year?
1: Oh, so my dad went to Tennessee. Oh, okay. And my brother, my brother went to Duke. Okay.
0: Uh, oh, they he had a good weekend too. He's probably yeah, growing like yeah. crazy.
1: Go Duke's. <laughs> hey, and uh, Cutcliffe's old old stomping mm-hmm. ground. So yeah, uh, yeah. I, I was I was happy to. I mean, I was I was shocked. I woke up this morning and read that. They stomped a hole in in Clemson.
0: Um, Clemson did not look good. Oh my
1: gosh. Yeah, and and uh I mean that's not gonna help the recruiting. Um I mean you have you have a you have a kid that's on the fence about going to Colorado or Clemson. Mm -hmm. He just he just he just booked a jet to Boulder. I mean, there this is not good for college football. Recruiting for a lot of teams out there right now, they're like, uh, if we don't, if we don't play like we're supposed to, and there's a kid that's on a fence to go to Colorado, they're gonna lose it. So this this hurt a lot more than just one way than the scoreboard for uh, for Clemson um, to get beat by Duke. Uh, you know, twenty was it twenty eight to seven? Yeah, they got uh, they
0: got. I- it, it was either twenty-eight or thirty-five, but it, it was a blowout at the second. Yeah, high, that, yeah that, Clemson that's was not, another team that let go of the rope.
1: Yeah, that's that's not that's not good for for Clemson in a lot of ways.
0: So, anyway, thank you very much for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you have your podcast, including YouTube. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every single day. Thank you so much, Bill, for joining us this week. Look forward to talking to you next week. After hopefully, the offense evolves a little bit.
1: Yes, sir. Hadi toddy. Hottie toddy.